This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. Alright, welcome to the WWE Podcast, everybody. We are here again with Anthony DeMarco for the current state of WWE and with SummerSlam behind us, Clash at the Castle just a few weeks away, well, th- nearly four weeks away, September 3rd will be here before you know it. We have a lot to cover here on the WWE Podcast, and Anthony, how you doing, man? Where do we even begin? You know what, man? There, there's so many places to begin, but I just want to open with this. If for anyone who was thinking that Vince McMahon was going to be secretly pulling the strings behind, you know, behind the curtain... And maybe from the shadows, I think that whole conspiracy theory can be silenced with what we saw the past week. Don't you agree? <laughs> yes, definitely. Now, it's I, I don't know. We'll never know the inner workings behind the scenes. I'm sure Vince has contact with somebody. I'm sure he's not completely blackballed. But to your to your point, I don't think for, for a large degree he has any impact on the creative right now, especially given Karrion Cross returning, Dakota Kai returning, EO Sky returning, uh, you know, among other things that we're seeing. And with Triple H reportedly going back to a, quote, more pro wrestling mentality, which I think is a great thing, there is definitely, at least on the surface, no more Vince McMahon fingerprints as of yet. And I think that well, let's just start with the carrying cross thing, because I don't really watch NXT. I never have just because I simply don't have the time. And I think you're in that same boat with me. But, you know, you hear about guys in NXT like Tommaso Ciampa, Joey Gargano. And most recently, I would say over, let's say, 2021, it was carrying cross. He was supposed to be like the big name, the next big thing, you know, not to quote Brock Lesnar, but like one of the big guys coming up from NXT. And he gets onto the main roster. What was it in early 2022, maybe late 2021? And they have him dressed like he's out of Mad Max, you know, and with the helmet, like he's going to go fight Russell Crowe in Gladiator. I'm just like, well, who the bleep is this guy? You know what I mean? And, you know, he loses his first couple matches to Jeff Hardy or whatever it was. And within a month or so, he's gone. And, you know, not only does he return, but he returns and inserts himself in arguably the biggest program in the company right now between the number one contender, Drew McIntyre, and the undisputed champion, Roman Reigns. And I think just that in and of itself is very telling that Vince McMahon isn't running the steering the, the ship anymore. And look, do I think that Karrion Cross is going to, you know, defeat Roman Reigns for both championships or even one championship? If we, as we've heard that maybe they are going to put a uh, consistent world champion back on Raw, which is the absolute right decision. Probably not, but I think that this is a good way to establish a guy right off the bat who had a large amount of success in NXT. He looks the part. The fact that he's actually wearing normal street clothes is a big step up from looking like he's out of, you know, like the minus 500 years. But I just think that you're seeing more of logic in this storyline, because if you apply logic to it, 
why would a guy who dominated NXT not come up and insert himself among the top dogs in WWE? Again, not to say that he's going to come in right away and win a world championship, but it makes perfect sense that he would come up and step up to the big dogs right off the bat, much like Kevin Owens did to John Cena in early slash mid-2015. It made sense that the NXT champion would want to take on one of the top dogs right off the bat on the main roster. So I think just more logic, because, again, we know that Vince McMahon assumed that, you know, the Raw fans didn't watch NXT and they didn't have long memories. We had heard those rumblings for years. But now even people that don't watch NXT like you and me, we can say, like, well, yeah, if this guy was presumably a top guy in NXT, why wouldn't it make sense for him to come up and not instantly challenge for one of the top championships? The, the addition of Karrion Cross, or rather the reintroduction of Karrion Cross, was something I did not expect. Absolutely has Triple H's fingerprints all over this, and I am 100% on board. And the reaction he got from the crowd was very, very positive, even though he kind of played a bit of an in-betweener because he attacked Drew, which is a heel, but then kind of you know, gave Roman Reigns a bit of a heads up of, hey, time's running out with the hourglass in the ring. That was really cool. Uh, and again, yeah, it looked like he he's just kind of this badass guy with his normal clothes on that you'd see him at the airport with, uh, and, and that immediately resonated 400 times more than it did with this car- cartoonish mask that Vince every Vince sometimes feels that everyone needs to be larger than life. No matter what it has to, what it takes, that everybody needs to have kind of a cartoon esque quote marketing look to them. When you look at guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he's got the least marketing uh, look you you could possibly imagine: black trunks, black boots, bald head. I mean, it's as, as plain as it gets. So sometimes I think Vince overdid it with those kinds of characters, and obviously that was the death nail for Karrion Cross in WWE until Triple H brought him back. But right now, I love what they're doing with Drew and and uh, Roman. We finally get it after it seemingly was like 18 months of them on the same roster, and we finally get it. And now Karrion Cross is interjecting himself. Now, you said that you don't think that Karrion is going to be the one to take a belt or belts off of Roman. So what do you think his role is going to be? I mean, he's he's interjected himself into the main event scene immediately. Do you think it's going to be eventually a triple threat? Do you think it's going to be Drew versus Karrion? Like, what, what do you see happening here for, uh, for Karrion Cross? Well, this is my opinion on the matter, and this is half based on speculation, or I would say like 80% based on speculation, 20% based on like what we've heard coming out through the the rumor mill, is that it's clear that USA Network, who obviously hosts Raw on their network, wants a consistent world champion. Because as we've been talking about for the last four months, Roman has been an absentee champion specifically on Monday Night Raw. He showed up there, what, three times since WrestleMania when he was supposed to be a dual champion. So that's number one. Number two is last week I heard that they were thinking about doing the draft this year in late August, early September. What's happening the first weekend of September? Clash at the castle. That's two. So then I look at what Karrion Cross did. I look at Drew McIntyre, and I'm saying that I don't know if it's going to be a triple threat between the three of them, but I think that in some form or fashion, Drew McIntyre is going to win the WWE Championship at Clash of the Castle. I think he deserves to win the WWE Championship at Clash of the Castle. And <clears throat> Pardon me. And I think he deserves to get a world championship run 
with fans in the building because Drew McIntyre was robbed of his initial win at WrestleMania and his entire run in 2020 as WWE champion. And yeah, it got a little stale at the end. And yes, we both agreed that Drew needed time away from the championship picture. But look, he hasn't been world champion in 18 months now. And I think that they've done a good job of making us want to see Drew as champion again. And I believe that Drew has earned the right to win a world championship in his, well, not his home country, but in his home, I guess, northern continent, however you want to phrase it, United Kingdom. And I think that he deserves to have a chance here at having a legitimate world championship run in front of a live audience. And I would have Karrion Cross be the first guy to feud with Drew over on Monday Night Raw. And this sets up perfectly because what did we see this past Monday night? We saw Seth Rollins announcing that he's going to go after Roman Reigns specifically. Now, if you keep the Universal Championship on Roman Reigns, which I would do, you could have Seth move back over to SmackDown. And then just like that, you have Drew and Karrion Cross feuding over one championship over on Monday Night Raw. And you have Roman and Seth feuding over the Universal Championship over on SmackDown. And the insertion of Karen Cross allows you to maybe try and morph Roman Reigns into more of a babyface, or at least more of a neutral character, so you don't have heel versus heel and Roman versus Seth. Because maybe if Karen Cross gets involved by hook or crook in that match, or even Seth Rollins, it could protect Roman Reigns and maybe get some sympathy. So if I'm a betting man slash fantasy booking, which I don't often like to do, I think that would be the best case scenario for everyone. It fits the bill. I can't argue with it. I mean, and it, honestly, so far what we've seen from Triple H is that he's trying to immediately make a good impression with the fans by bringing back people that people that in the first place people were saying, hey, what the hell is WWE firing these people for? We feel like there's more potential. A lot of them are NXT call-ups. Vince didn't see the potential or felt like he had to McMahonize the person, and obviously we saw the results of that. And Triple H brings them back, and immediately all three of the people that I mentioned early in the show have made a massive impact. One of them shot to the main event instantly. And I think that having Karrion Cross being the one to face, like you said, Seth Rollins or rather Drew McIntyre, I like it. I mean, it's it's clear that Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross are going to have a program, whether it's Roman involved or not, or if it's a one-on-one. But Seth being involved in this, like you said, he mentioned on Raw that he's coming for Roman Reigns. I'm glad that he finally made that statement. I think Triple H recognizes the value in those two. Uh, Seth is a babyface I don't buy, I never liked, I still don't like. But I think that as a default, people would probably cheer for Seth Rollins in that scenario and just organically have the fans cheer for him. But to have Roman Reigns go beyond Clash at the Castle with both championships still in hand would really be hard to believe. And Triple H right now seems to be wanting to make good with fans instantly. The only danger in that is that, and I believe Triple H is a smart guy, but I, I'm, I'm concerned that with him in this new very you know high up position in as head of creative that he doesn't make reactionary decisions just to make fans happy and not piss them off where he's trying to you know make good on things and make people happy right away i don't think he would do that but the temptation i'm sure is there where he's doing things that maybe aren't the best for long term but rather in the moment saying kind of a statement to fans of like hey yeah there's a there's a new sheriff in town 
I'm the new head of creative. Here's what you're going to see moving forward. So I don't think Triple H is going to be reactionary at least too often. I think there will be times where he is, is, but I don't think long-term, especially in main event scenarios, he's going to make those mistakes. So uh, my point is, though, that I do believe Roman Reigns will not leave Clash at the Castle. With Triple H now at the head of creative, I would have changed my mind if this was still Vince, but with Triple H still there... I think he knows that this is the fans' number one issue out of everything, even the women's division, which there's still certainly some problems there, and I'll talk about that next with you. But do you think that with Triple H now at the head of creative, it it's a different outcome at Clash at the Castle than if Vince were still there? Because I think Vince probably would have kept the belts on Roman. Yeah, I, I, I do think so, because you just started hearing now all these kind of breadcrumbs that it maybe is starting to head towards more of a of a championship split and i agree 100 percent that if it was vince he would have pushed forward with roman as the dual champion all the way until wrestlemania to get that 1000 days and look i don't think it'd be necessarily a bad thing for roman to go a thousand days as universal champion but to do it as a dual champion and an absentee champion that is something that for me I, I thought would have just absolutely killed the brand, especially given the fact of like you're starting to see how many guys here have just kind of been like wasting in the wind. And, you know, OK, Bobby Lashley, he's the U.S. champion now, really reestablishing that belt and bring back some credibility. I don't mind that. But you look at guys like Drew McIntyre, you look at a guy like Seth Rollins. Even a guy like Kevin Owens, like these are guys who are main event caliber uh, wrestlers that really had nothing to do because Roman Reigns has really hijacked the main event scene on not only SmackDown, but also Raw. And let's be honest here, even though he's been the world champion on both shows, technically, he still has been a SmackDown guy. And look, do I think that a unified champion is a bad thing? Not necessarily. Like, I think the Usos have done a good job as the unified tag team champions, and I wouldn't be opposed to them keeping the unified tag titles simply because I don't think the tag team division is deep enough to support a tag belt on both shows. But in Roman's case, if you want to be a unified champion, you have to be present on both shows, and I just don't think he has been. And look, I don't think that he technically should be. But you can have your cake and eat it too. If you want a dual champion and an undisputed champion for both brands, then you have to be present. It's a tall task. You can have guys like Drew McIntyre feuding with the brawling brutes and Jinder Mahal forever. You can have a guy like Kevin Owens feuding with a guy like Ezekiel forever. You know, now that Karrion Cross is up, what would he be, be doing? Seth Rollins, like how many times could he possibly lose before he's no longer viewed as a main event player? Like, unfortunately, with the way WWE set up right now, it just makes more sense to have two world champions and to have a true brand split. And I really think that under Triple H, they'll at least be able to adhere to the rules and just be more logical in that regard. And like, look, do I think that like the entire company is going to be turned on its head all for the good and the clouds are going to part and Triple H is going to undo all the wrong that Vince did? No, of course not. Like we have to be realistic as well. But what I'm seeing here is just in the short time that Triple H has been head of creative, it just seems that he's making the like decisions that are low hanging fruit as in terms of logic. It does, and this to me would be the biggest decision that he could make to send the the, uh, the message to fans that hey, like I hear you loud and clear. 
let's get at least one of the belts off of Roman because, like you said, I'm fine with the thousand days as long as there is a belt on Raw. Of course, this does lead to the problem of if there's a brand split or if there's not come the fall or maybe they just don't address it at all and things just continue as they are because right now the brand split has kind of quietly died, yet we still want two championships. How that'll work, of course, we'll figure out in the fall if they're going to do a draft, if they're not. But right now, Triple H can do one thing right now that will make fans elated and that is take at least one of the belts off of Roman Reigns that is by far and away the biggest issue fans have and like you said earlier with Drew McIntyre essentially in his backyard the fans are going to be ravenous I can't wait to hear what the fans are like in uh, Wales because if they haven't had an event in what they said like 30 or some 30 some years or whatever it's been then they are going to be absolutely just off the off the off the hinge whatever phrase you want to use for this event they're going to be loud it's going to be wrestlemania esque it's going to be i think uh, when you when wwe goes to canada you guys are crazy i mean it's kind of like that it's going to be um the monday night raw after wrestlemania it's going to be loud the chants are going to be fun that kind of thing and the environment for roman versus drew is going to be completely just i think it's it's going to take over the the entire matchup and i that's for the better because the fans are going to be so behind drew and it is a make good moment for drew as you said because drew has the worst luck in the world of finally getting the push he deserves COVID happens he wins a championship in front of no one uh, which ate him alive and i understand why and he gets it not just in front of fans but in front of how many 30,000 people in Wales, which is as close to his home country as we're going to get. I mean, so uh, to me, this is a great moment for Drew. It's a great moment for fans to at least get one of them off of, off of Roman and have him continue to the thousand days. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. I just hope we don't get some wonky uh, like theory cash in or something because he's still floating around, right? He's lurking around. Uh, carrying cross might be thrown into the mix somehow, but I hope he's not. Right now, it just just leave those two out of it for now, Carrion and Theory, and just make it Drew and Roman. I don't want any really funny business with this one, and just have Drew have the moment he should have had two years ago. So you have been saying for a while that if you were betting men, you were still picking Roman to walk out as both champions at Clash of the Castle. At this point, are you switching to Drew to at least walk away with the WWE Championship? And do you think, you know, on a personal perspective... Do you think that it would be the right move to have Drew win here? So, yes, yes. Uh, And the reason is Triple H. I mean, Triple H, if this was still Vince, I would say, nope, we're going to WrestleMania at least. Maybe all the way to next year's SummerSlam with Roman as a double champion. But with Triple H... I think he hears us loud and clear. He's got his finger on the pulse of fans much better than Vince did. Or Vince did. I think Vince often felt that he knew better than we did. And there were some cases where he did. But there was a lot of war, you know, wars of attrition where it was Vince versus the fans. And Vince would shove something down our throats and we would, you know, reject it for months or years at times. I mean, look at the babyface run for Roman. Uh, which, by the way, guys, uh, we just had... Um, the didn't you just do that this past week? Was the babyface yeah. run of Roman Reigns? Yeah, so yeah. check that out uh, with the retro. But th- there have been examples of that, and I think Triple H hears us more. He's closer to our generation of fans. He's face it, just cognitively more just aware of what's going on. He's not seventy some years old, and that's just the way age works. So I think Vin- Triple H wants to make a good impression. He wants to tell the fans he hears us loud and clear. 
but he wants to keep the streak going. And there's just it's just the simplest solution. Have some loophole in the contract. You think, you know, he lost it, but he only lost one belt. There was fine print in the contract that said he only was, you know, uh, that Drew only uh, was competing for the WWE Championship. So I don't care. I really don't care how the, the, the uh, logic goes down here. I just want it to happen. I think fans want it to happen. So, yes, to answer your question to both, yes, the fact that I think Drew is going to win at least one of the championships. And uh, your second question, I forget, but I was yes to that, too. That uh, Was it Vince McMahon or something? Um, no, it was like, do you, do you want to see oh, Drew McIntyre? Do I want it? Uh, yes, I'm ready for it. Just because you know, while they're doing a great job with the U.S. title on Raw, they've done a great job. Just this past week, the, that title feels more important than it has in like three years with the, all the attention and video packages it's, it's gotten. So yes to both. Yeah, and, and I think that Drew has just paid his dues here. And, you know, I, I think that, and I believe they were talking about this on Busted Open, if I'm not sure, I, I want to give correct credit, but I'm pretty sure it was them, is that they were saying that, like, it's cool if you want to establish Roman Reigns as a legitimate contender, like the legitimate top guy in the company, but you also need credible guys to challenge for him. And like you've been saying for the entirety of his run, when has his run ever felt threatened? When has him losing ever felt like a true possibility? And I think that is partly because of the way that Vince had just booked him so strongly, so head and shoulders above everyone else. That's just like, okay, well, it's going to be a good match. Like you've said countless times, but we know Roman Reigns is going to win. And I think that if you could establish Drew as at least in the same tier as Roman Reigns and you could establish Seth Rollins in the same tier as Roman Reigns or Lashley in the same tier, it would go a long way. Because, like, look, even when John Cena was, let's say, the top guy, when he faced off against HBK or Randy Orton or Batista or Triple H, you at least thought, like, okay, there's a chance Cena is going to lose. Austin was the top guy, but when he faced off against Triple H or The Undertaker or The Rock, you at least thought he was maybe going to lose because it was realistic because those guys, although they were not the top guy like Austin or the top guy like Cena, they were in those tiers. But what they've done with Roman here, at least in my opinion, is that they've just put him on this mountain all on his own and everyone else is just like a peasant beneath him, which in turn has resulted in everyone just expecting him to win. And I think that going into this pay-per-view, because of Triple H now at the helm, you could say like, okay, I think that now there's a good chance that Drew could walk away with at least one of the championships. And rightly so. I think that or not Triple H, Drew could walk away with one of the championships. And rightly so, because I think that Drew is a guy that has proven to be a, you know, a main event player in the WWE. And I think he is a guy that, especially after going the, through the pandemic era, and the Thunderdome era, as his only, you know, run with the championship, I think that he's deserved to get a big win in front of a live audience near his home country, and get a legitimate run. And then in turn, you could open up so many more avenues here. And I th do think that they're going to go back to the, a hard brand split come uh, September following Clash of the Castle. And I and I, it's just low-hanging fruit here. Like, there's no reason to make Roman Reigns the end-all, be-all in the company. For as good as he's been, for as good as the bloodline has been, and I've been saying, you know, since WrestleMania, I've been getting annoyed with them. But if you would just take the one of the world titles off of Roman 
and put them exclusively back onto SmackDown for the most part. If the Usos want to float to Raw as a unified tag team champion, I don't have a problem with that because they are present each and every week. I just think it would go a long way. And with Roman, it would be kind of less is more at this point. Yeah, no, well said. Um, and, you know, in the interest of time, I, I would I could talk about this forever, but I want to just talk about the women's division quickly. A couple things. Number one, the women's division was announced on SmackDown, I believe, that they are going to actually have this tournament since the those championships were vacated by uh, by Sasha Banks and Naomi. And yes, there's rumors of them still coming back because Triple H is now in the, in, you know, at the head of creative, all that. And that very well may be the case. But right now they're vacant. And WWE, starting Monday, starting tonight, they are going to be this beginning this tournament for the women's tag team championships. And I, I'm a little against this. And the only reason I'm against it is not that I don't want the women to have a tag team championship, but I want them to do it the right way. And I know that Triple H is trying to make good on this promise as well, but I say that why? how can you have a championship for a division that still doesn't exist? Now, they're going to throw a whole bunch of people together that we're supposed to just believe are just tag teams because they're together, and they're doing this in the interest of creating the illusion that there's an actual division. But I don't I don't know. It's just the, not, not the way I would do it, I guess, which is have a division established and then introduce tag team a tag team championship. You can't do it the other way around. You can't just have a championship for something that doesn't exist and then expect the people to just manifest themselves into like the, the division that you want and the division that the belt is for. I don't know. Maybe it'll turn out just fine. How do you feel about the WWE starting the tournament for these vacant tag team championships for the women? Well, I mean, at least it shows that you know, Triple H cares here, and we have heard that Sasha Banks and Naomi have been agreed to come back, and I would assume that they would just be recrowned as the women's tag team champions. I mean, like, look, I think, and you've said this as well, that the women's tag team division has had their bright spots. Like, I mean, I was saying it at the time, but I think the best era for the those titles were was when uh, you had... Um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler because they at least legitimized the titles maybe early on when you had the Iconics as the champions you know Sasha and Bailey as the inaugural champions I think there were a lot of good moments but it was just a lot of inconsistency and a lot of lack of commitment from Vince and creative as a whole that really torpedoed the value of those championships. And look, if WWE really wants to make an investment here and maybe bring back the Iconics and invest in true women's tag teams, like aside from the Iconics, have we seen a true women's tag team? I don't think so. And, you know, maybe you could make a Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. one of those those tag teams. And I think that there are a lot of women who would benefit from just being packaged into a legitimate tag team. But it's all about commitment. And it's all about consistency in legitimizing those titles as actual threats and actual and giving them actual importance. So, look, I don't have a problem with it as long as they're committed to actually doing the right thing with those titles. And what do you think about uh, this? The other thing with the women's division, we've got uh, this past week on Friday Night SmackDown, Liv Morgan gets booed in Greenville, South Carolina. Ronda Rousey got, you know, even though she wasn't there, she, you know, there, there was some chance for her for Ronda Rousey, and and uh, people were chanting at Liv that she tapped out. 
clearly not supposed to happen, or at least what the desired reaction was. I was very surprised to hear this, too, and I'm going to chalk it up to just kind of an anomaly, just like a random crowd that wanted to be rebellious, because I... I understand why people may be wanting to boo live because she has yet to have a credible victory. Like she won it in a bit of kind of shady terms. And look, she cashed in the way she should have, but it's also not the most credible way to do it. And also she had a victory over Rhonda that, you know, we didn't expect Liv to straight up beat her because it doesn't make sense for someone like Liv to beat Rhonda. But again, kind of a wonky finish for her kind of luck was on her side. The ref didn't see the tap. So I understand why people may be a little bit against Liv for the way that she's won and held on to the belt, but she's not they're not turning her heel. But this reaction was a bit surprising to me, and I hope that they don't take this and go, wow, okay, did we make the wrong choice? Because I don't think they did. I still love Liv as a babyface and Ronda as a heel. I, I just hope they don't turn. Did you, did you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I would chalk it up to just uh, an outlier when all is said and done, because I do think that most fans have been behind Liv for almost a year now. But to your point, like, she's kind of been somewhat of a weasel since, you know, winning the championship. You know, she wins it in a very heel way, which is fine. Like, we've seen babyfaces cash in Money in the Bank in that type of context before uh, Dean Ambrose did in 2016. And like you said, that that's the way that you're supposed to cash in Money in the Bank. It's always been that way. Like, you want to do it the honorable way? Well, then you're probably going to end up like John Cena in 2012. But I think that that coupled with the fact that Liv did tap out and she kind of won through a referee's error at SummerSlam had, or no, it wasn't SummerSlam. What was the pay-per-view that she, um, money in the bank, money in the bank. Yeah. So like the, or, or no, it was SummerSlam when, uh, Rhonda made her tap out, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the ref yeah. counted the one, two, three. So uh, look, I, I think that it's just been a bit of booking where it's just like, well, eventually you're going to have the crowd be like, well, why should we cheer this person? She's not winning in any credible way. And now she's going up against Shayna Baszler, who's kind of like a step down from a Ronda Rousey, right? And true real life friends with the MMA background. So I think that they just need to maybe get Liv winning on a credible basis and a legitimate basis. It sucks that it has to come at the expense of a Shayna Baszler. I think there's, you know, a 0.0% chance that Shayna Baszler would win the SmackDown Championship. Although, how fun would a Shayna versus Ronda program be? That's something I would love to see eventually down the line. But I just think that you need to give Liv a couple more credible victories uh, before Ronda returns, and they will right the ship, no issue. Yeah, definitely. And and Ronda and Ronda and uh, Shayna would be a lot of fun. I just don't know who the be who would be the babyface in that one because I like both of them as heels. I think both of them as heels fits perfectly. Um, but yeah, that that has to happen down the line. They've teased it like once or twice on air, and nothing came of it. But it has to happen eventually. But right now, Ronda as a heel, please for like go full fledged. Let Ronda be ridiculously awful on the mic, and she can be as a heel. Run us down. Give her say everything that she's wanted to say and had to hide because she's a babyface over the last three years there's got to be a lot of ammo there so i hope when she returns maybe next week on smackdown that the fans don't embrace her return oh my god it's ronda rousey i hope that the fans go back to the way that they should be in booing this woman because there's really not a whole lot to like about her i mean there really hasn't been from day one other than oh my god ronda rousey from mma and then after that she kind of crapped on the business and there's a whole litany of things but all right uh anything else before we wrap it up here 
No, all I'll say is uh, I really hope they put a world champion back on Raw. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think yeah, if nothing else, I think that's what people have gotten from this episode. Is I think we've made that abundantly clear that that is the number one issue. I think not just among us, you know, just us two, but among the WWE fans as a whole. I, I think people have just that's the biggest complaint is just give us one championship off of Roman. So absolutely. Well, everybody, catch. Uh, Anthony, every single Friday with Retro. This past week, you covered the babyface run of Roman Reigns. It's a lot of fun to listen to. One is that is the most uh, just I, I think the biggest example of a war of attrition against from fans and Vince. And I don't think you'll see something like that with Triple H. So, um, all right. Well, thank you so much, buddy. We will be in touch, and I'll talk to you in a week. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to Patreon.com slash WWEPodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.